Welcome to the Evolution Exchange Australia podcast. We're bringing together the best technical leaders from across the Melbourne region to discuss industry passions, challenges and ideas. My name's Abby Green and I connect businesses with talented contractors in the software engineering market. So welcome back to another episode of the Evolution Exchange. Today I'm joined by Jasmine Day, platform lead at Tabcorp, Christianique, an engineering manager from Coles, Liam, the delivery lead from ANZ, and Jesse, a lead engineer from Lone Market Group. And here we're here today to discuss agile versus waterfall. So before we delve a bit deeper into the topic, let's just work our way around the rooms with some introductions. Uh, Jasminda, would you like to kick us off? Sure. Uh, my name is Jasminda, or Jas for short. Uh, I'm like Abby introduced me, platform lead for Tabcorp. I've uh, been in this business for long five months. Uh, before that, I've been in a couple of other industries. I worked with CRM, working at Zendesk uh, as the engineering manager. And before that, was at uh, Talus Australia for about 13 years. Um, started as software engineers and worked my way up to software team lead, software department lead, engineering project manager. Um, and yeah, uh, now at Tabcorp. That's me. Perfect, Jasmine. Thank you so much. Christy, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. So my name is Christine. I'm an engineering manager for Coles, and I've got about a decade of experience in technology. So originally come from South Africa, worked in the private healthcare space for about three years. Moved over to digital banking, moved across Australia and worked in industries um, with MRB, Coles, and for Publicis Sapient, and also for Backer Coles in an engineering manager capacity. But yeah, I really enjoy the technical side of things. I've come from a technical BA background as well, and that's pretty much predominantly what my career has been in delivery management. I really enjoy working with people, and yeah, I really just enjoy people management as well. That's me. Perfect. Thank you so much. And Liam? Hey, Liam, as we said, work at ANZ as, as a delivery lead. Um, I've been working in banking for about 16 years, um, but in technology for about 10 now. Uh, got exposed to Agile only probably about seven years ago, I guess. Um, landed in different roles through that experience. Um, but predominantly my background is uh, more quality assurance, so testing. Um, but being exposed to Scrum Master, Iteration Manager, all those different uh, topics or di different roles. Um, but more recently, uh, before the role I'm in at the moment, um, I was more of an EPMO sort of person uh, through ways of working uh, for uh, an, an organization uh, for the technology stack, uh, which definitely uh, had growth for, for myself in. Uh, but again, more more recently, uh, moving into uh, from an, an organization for 15 years <laughs> into a brand new one. Um, uh, so two, just over two months now uh, in ANZ. So enjoying the growth, the difference and the cultural change and very excited about this topic uh, with my background experiences. But that's that's me. Perfect, Liam. Thank you so much. And last but not least, Jesse. Hey, Abby. Uh my name is Jesse, uh, so I have worked in tech for about eight years now. It's my third career, so it took me a little bit of time to find the right one, but I think I have. Um, so I started out as a software engineer. I did that um, at a company called Technology One for five years. Um, they produce ERP system for um, docs, government, and like uh, education space. Uh, I learned a lot there, um, and then I decided to jump into the world of fintech. So I now work at Loan Market Group. 
I work with some fantastic people, very smart and similar to Liam. Um, my growth within this role has um, been exponential um, in my eyes. I've had the ability to step into leadership roles, solve some really complex problems, really understand the banking process and um, the mortgage space. So I've been very privileged to get that sort of experience. Um, but on that journey, I've worked in a couple of different uh, development methodologies. So <laughs> I'll be keen to hear some viewpoints from others, but also offer some um, perspectives of my own. Perfect, Jesse. Thank you so much. Um, and thank you all for being so open and honest there. Obviously, you're all from loads of different backgrounds and industries, so I'm really keen to um, get get on with this discussion, I suppose. I uh, just want to stress, obviously, that all the views that are expressed are from a personal perspective as well and not reflective of the businesses in which you represent. So let's kick off the discussion and obviously feel free to jump in as and when. Um, I'll be bringing some discussion points in, but this is obviously a topic that we could talk for days about. <laughs> So I'm just going to throw the first one out there, which is what is your experience of Agile methodologies? I'm happy to kick it off. Uh, first introduced to Agile in about 2014, 2013, I would remember. So Talus um, was going through a change where they were implementing Agile ways of working, uh, moving from uh, the V model or known as the waterfall model. And I was one of the first few leaders who was uh, trained to be a scrum master so we can actually take our team to the journey. Uh, I had just been promoted to an engineering team lead. Um, I was already working in that team as a software manager, uh, sorry, software engineer. Mm -hmm. And then it was hard for me to keep a tab on what's going on, how we're delivering what, when it has to go, because there a lot of projects were dependent on my team to deliver. Uh, so just a bit of background, um, Talus uh, works in various things, defense, uh, the department I work for made air traffic control systems. Um, and it's, and the, the system that I worked on was called simulation system, which would actually use to train air traffic controllers or used as a test tool or testing the actual air traffic control system, complex system, various countries, various projects need that. So demands would come left, right, center, and a very smart team, uh, working with me and organization was a bit of a challenge and when I challenge this from mastery, um, it was like a flick of the switch everything kind of fell into place. Change was difficult. It's always um, changing the way of working was difficult, but I had a fabulous team trying to get to where we wanted to get to and, and it solved a lot of problems. I mean, like I was, I stopped micromanaging because daily standard up, the, 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 the scrum board the, that we were managing would basically give us all the information that we needed. So uh, I've used uh, Agile ever since, um, but then I'll back into the waterfall when was the engineering project manager for Talus because, um, again, uh, customer didn't go on the journey. Uh, and again, that's how the uh, work was set up and nothing against anyone. So uh, did a waterfall, did fantastically delivered brilliant projects on time, cost, quality. So like all those uh, time, and sometimes we did. But. So yeah, that's my experience with Agile. And uh, after that, carried on with Zendesk, now at Tapcop. Uh, again, I won't say Agile, I'd say Vagile, that's the common term, uh, which is the hybrid of waterfall, scrum, and everything's together. Liam. Yeah, cool. Just wanted to jump in because your experience is very similar to mine, actually. Um, so it was about 2016, I reckon, when I got exposed to Agile. Uh, similar aspects. Previous organization went through uh, a transformation, I guess you would call it. 
Um, the, the the thing that I pulled on from your story just then, and I'd be interested to know, is did you find it was more of a technology uplift or did you feel like your stakeholders were also being uplifted at the same time to want to understand Agile and the way that Agile was, was working? When you say technology uplift, do you mean change of stack or change of... Oh, sorry. I mean, probably more the way of working, I guess, right? So um, your 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 approach to actually deliver. So obviously you've got your own team, software team, right? Um, you're going through the, you know, the cadences through your sprints, et cetera. Kanban could be as well. Um, but your stakeholders that you were working with, did they get to understand that you were going through that different way of working too? Yeah. Yes, I think it was um, the, the department-wise we were doing that change and I was one of the few ones but um, the software department I think was leading the charge again in software industry people may think why what do you mean by software department again uh, waterfall we have requirements gathering then we have software development testing and then deployment so that was a that's how the team were divided so I was purely from software there I was led by the software team and yes everyone was pretty much understandable that we are going on a journey and they actually wanted us to go on the journey because Everyone wanted to know where their piece of work is because for every project manager who's dealing with me, their project is priority number one. And then for them to be able to understand when, what will be delivered, what will it take? Yes, they were all um, very much involved and I would say they had a big buy-in um, together. So it was very top-down. It was not bottom-up, um, if that's what you're trying to get to. So yes, um, everyone had a pretty big buy-in and I think we did it very successfully. Just a caveat was not pure agile, if I may say. Jesse, you got Perfect, Jesse. Well. Go on. <laughs> um, I just want to maybe get some clarification on uh, what you guys consider agile. Um, so I was first introduced <laughs> to agile at university. Um, it was more of a manifesto, like the agile manifesto. And obviously, as a student, that's very exciting. You hear all these wonderful ideas like individuals over interactions um focusing on change being comfortable with change um but i find a lot of people kind of mix scrum project management process and agile into a synonymous term um so i just wanted to understand are you guys talking about the the scrum process that's been adopted or are you talking about the actual mindset that the agile manifesto presents that's that's probably a good point yeah um the TALUS was, um, again, defense company, so um, mission-critical systems they made. Uh, um, so I would say we adopted, adopted Scrum to answer your question, Jesse. Um, but yes, we, we needed to do all the documentations, you know, have documentation above um, software, things like that. We did have to do all the due diligence before we delivered the software. So we adopted Scrum, not necessarily the full manifesto as well. And one thing I've realized over about let's say 10 years of uh, doing doing agile is the various flavors of it that every organization every team has adopted so yeah that's that's my side of things jesse can i back my question up with another question um so to me the way i interpret the agile manifesto is um i like to pull two things out of it the first thing sorry about my coughing by the way i'm a little bit ill um, the first thing is for it to be successful, for the for the mindset to be successful, the organization has to fully buy in from top to bottom. Um, my experience has always been the mindset is very quickly adopted from people at the coalface, but not so much at the people at the top, um, which is why I think people transition to 
that synonymous thought of Scrum is Agile. The second thing that you really need to understand is for Agile in its purest form to work, I think you really need to to trust the people at the coalface um, you, because you're prioritizing their abilities, their decision-making um, and their expertise over, um, say, if you're sitting higher up over your expertise. They know the sof software, they know the tech stack. Um, it's your, it behooves you to present what you want them to build in a way that they can digest. And then you, then you give them free reign to go and make those decisions for you in the best ways they see fit. You hire smart people, you get good results. Um, and the third thing is I find that organizations really need to be comfortable with uncertainty and change. Um, what you think you want at the start may not be what you get at the end. Um, and there needs to be an org wide adoption that that's acceptable. Um, and I kind of, I'd be, I will get to my point now. I kind of see Scrum as like a halfway to getting to Agile, but you really love process and you love accountability and you love burn down charts. Um, so you're kind of stuck in like mini waterfall um, because no one, no, one, no one likes the thought of dedicating a lot of work up front and that work being shelved or not useful or, or not utilized. And I think in the modern tech world, you need to be very comfortable with that because requirements aren't easy to gather. Um, an idea you have that, the, that as a business, you then go and put money behind, it may not always end up coming to fruition. But I think the more work you put up front, the more the business goes, no, we have to make this work. And that's where you kind of get that um, <laughs> the, the scrum process. So you can at the start go, this is what I want and we're going to get there. Yeah, and just to make a comment, Jesse, you were saying um, the whole organization has to buy in. I've worked for organizations where you've got the software teams that buy into it, but high management don't. So you've got a constant struggle with what are we delivering this value? When are we going to deliver this value? And the, I find the higher ups don't really, they don't like that uncertainty because they want that certainty. So it's like, it's a constant struggle because you're trying to deliver value. So you're running at a million miles per hour on the ground. But then when you try to get that vision of two or three months ahead, they're just not willing to have that buy-in. So I think from that perspective, and I think um, that's why we term it, I suppose, sometimes we're agile. You are certainly doing a bit of waterfall with agile, with scratch. It's like a bit of a combination of things because it's the only way to keep going and churning out work. Because the worst thing to do is to build something and within six months you shelve it. What a waste of money. And that's what I think a lot of the people um, in the senior stakeholders, they don't want to waste money because then they're going to be, have to be held accountable for something that's not being used. And when there's millions of dollars at stake, it's obviously not a good conversation to be having. So I completely agree with you. I've seen it in organizations where everyone's bought into it and it starts at your HR side, your accounting side, your legal where everyone understands the process where you're not constantly reporting on those sort of metrics and um, yeah just that value i think that everyone's delivering to the customer and that's rewarding i've also been in organizations where obviously that's not the case and you can actually see the contrasting difference which is quite remarkable to see yeah i'm not surprised uh, christine when you're saying some companies don't look at customer as the um the all in all sometimes there's some internal battles uh Maybe yep. higher management, maybe uh, downstream team, maybe upstream team, 100%. And it, it's not surprising at all. And absolutely back your, your comment on that one. Yeah. I think just to extend on what you just said there, Christy, like, um, like the whole waste and cost is such an interesting topic in relation to Agile, especially like in a regulated environment too. 
and like my background predominantly being banking very regulated right so like the expectation of like ex external stakeholders is like almost it has to be waterfall in a way so there's this constant battle of understanding when to use a methodology and when to not use one and i reckon I don't, I'd, I'd probably put hand on heart saying no organization does that well because it's hard. That's really hard because you're kind of putting in a waterfall way, you're kind of making your decision up front. And then, and like I've been in many projects where you start waterfall and then everyone decides, oh, let's go agile. And that's really hard like to, to change that mentality halfway through or, you know, just the beginning. It's almost impossible. You almost need to, you know, you hear the words pivot or re-pivot or something like that. So... You MVP? But, yeah, <laughs> there you go. Phase one. Um, so one. yeah, I, I'd be interested to know, like, uh, in in all of your cases, from a regulated or unregulated perspective, like, have you seen differences of how, I guess, organisations adapt to to agile? Because I guess, and sorry, I will get you to answer the question that I've just asked. But I guess, in in my perspective in the organizations that I've been in, I think it's only recently that people have realized that, and to Jesse, your point, Scrum is a tool, not so much a mindset. And I reckon that's that takes a long time, I reckon, for an organization level to fully click to that. And I reckon the whole agility mindset comes to when they have realization and forward planning. Because Agile is, everyone thinks you don't plan in Agile, you actually plan more, because you need to, you need to be prepared. Um, for, for, for those times that you do have waste in, waste out um, aspects. So in I, I, I guess to wrap up my experiences in, in that respect, I think understanding fully how your organization is going to treat the work that you're going to be in is really hard for, say, a tester, developer, tech BA to get that understanding. So... I think having great leadership or great leaders in an agile mindset is critical for the actual teams to work effectively. But I'd love to hear your <laughs> understandings yeah, on I that just too. Build on the it's not critical. It is absolute must. Yeah. If yeah. you do not have your seniors buy in, and I'll probably speak from devil's advocate. I'm speaking from the higher management of certain board meetings and understood. They need certainty. And they've heard agile. And again, when I say heard, as in they've heard in the network, not that overheard, just a headline somewhere in LinkedIn, they're like, oh, let's do agile. They've heard success stories of agile as well. And they think potentially that's the silver bullet. But at the same time, they need certainty. Unfortunately, being agile and having certainty, they don't go hand in hand very well. Okay. Um, Scrum or agile. Yes. Um, now, if they said in the board meetings, they have. Um, commitment to the projects, they have commitment to the customers, they have commitment to even shareholders that we're going to deliver this value by or this uh, project by this state. So I've been in organization where uh, in defense, uh, customers not going to say, okay, you deliver me half a um, air traffic control system in three weeks time and then every two weeks deliver me another, uh, they need full functional system. So I would not recommend Agile or Scrum in that um, that environment at all. I think waterfall is a perfectly fine way to deliver such projects. Um, and again, to the point, Liam, not only we do more planning, we do constant planning, constantly revisiting what are we doing. And if you're not doing it, you're not setting your scrum goal, you're not setting your sprint goals, and you're not achieving as a group a productive outcome at the end of your sprint or a collective of a couple or three sprints or uh, your release train. So 
yeah, to the point, it's a must that the, the high management gets the buy-in. If they don't, they should not push Agile as their OKR or the objective to be one of them. So yeah, um, that's my two cents on that one. Perfect. Jesse, do you have a point? I've got multiple points. I could talk for hours on this subject, but I'll try and constrain myself. Um, <clears throat> so Liam, you made some great points. I think the one that I really gravitated towards was the question of really understanding which methodology is going to suit your use case. Um, so we're talking about Agile and Waterfall. I work in an organization where we've tried to adopt ShapeUp, which is another methodology. Um, I'm not sure if anyone's heard of that. Um, I won't go into it, but like no, ShapeUp, ShapeUp's interesting. It's, it's a way to define upfront costs, but um, have no expectation on the output, which it's totally revolutionary, very hard for an organization to understand and fully adopt, um, which kind of dovetails into your next point, um, Jasminda, that you really need that top-down buy-in. Um, I've I've worked in um, a couple of places where the top-down top has really wanted waterfall. They've dictated at the start what they want and they expect a result at the end and they give a time frame on that result, but then they tell everyone, hey, you're working agile. But really, it's it, instead of the sprint being an unknown output it's no you definitely need to have this done by the sprint so, you're just, I hate yeah. 100% I hate so you're just breaking your agile up into smaller sorry your waterfall up into smaller smaller falls which is obviously the joke of agile um yeah. but i think it it's it's really hard to successfully adopt agile and i th i don't think it's a it's i don't think it's like a point in the sand where you can definitively say hey we're 100% agile. I think there's a lot of gardening that goes along with it. Um, you, you need to constantly assess your processes, look for efficiencies, look for um, speed bumps or bottlenecks. Uh, I've, I've certainly seen that. I mean, the, 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 the classic one is your scrum master, right? So if the scrum master, if, if that's their only role, they can get very attached to the process. Um, and obviously you have a scrum master that's running the scrum. I've always gone off the 15 minutes. If you've got 18 members, you've got 15 minutes to fit everyone in there. What did I do yesterday? What am I doing today? Do I have any blockers? That kind of conversation. But it very quickly, very easily kind of goes off on a tangent where the scrum master wants to start getting um, statuses of tickets and all that kind of stuff, which is not really the forum for that. Um, but I think that really pollutes. It's it's very easy to pollute the goals that you're trying to accomplish with process. Um, and yeah. I, I think that always starts at the top because the scrum master doesn't doesn't get attached to the process unless they're being told hey these burn down charts aren't going like we wanted how do you control that again this is where we need to think of value and mm. if you haven't got your value right again I, I talk about features when i say value i absolutely mean features uh, and in some case like a technical upgrade or that could be part of your value if you haven't defined your value clearly when are you delivering what and again, it doesn't have to be a line in the sand. This is when we're going to deliver this. Uh, we do quarterly planning, um, anti-agile, if I may say. Um, we do quarterly planning, what we aim to deliver. But I do have flexibility of to say, I will deliver. This is my framework, is which I'm going to work beneath. These are my top priority, which I have to deliver. These are priority, which I'm going to deliver. And these are nice to have. So, uh, absolutely. I think um, if you don't, if you don't upfront say, this is my value I'm delivering. The, 
team that I'm working with, I've got a lot of um, autonomy. My leaders believe in that, yes, we can deliver value. However, uh, it's a big project. So this is where one of my concern or one of my learning over the time is whenever it comes to big projects, so there's two types of delivery. Like I've worked in the past, which is project-based, where a customer is not going to go on journey. So what form is a perfect fit for it. But then when it's a product-based organization, a SaaS organization, uh, in Dabcorp, it's a betting company and we provide value to the customer and we control what goes where. So it's easier to do agile when you control what goes where. So, but when it comes to bigger projects, bigger initiatives, they tend to automatically fall into waterfall where they need certain dates, they need certain assurances that we will roll out this feature today because you have your competitors rolling out features back to back, but then you need to say, oh, we need to compete with them. We need to have our ARR update. We need to have our revenues update. So I think what my point is that when you do bigger projects and you don't think Agile is going to work, let's accept it that we're going to run a waterfall model here and not, and I'm, I'm an advocate of waterfall. I've successfully delivered uh, pretty big projects. I would say even five to $10 million worth of uh, software work um, ahead of schedule, ahead of um, cost and quality has been, again, mission critical system. The quality has to be up there. But you need to decide up front and stick to it. Like Leah mentioned, we're pivoting to a new way of working. We are um, a new MVP. So um, the point I'm trying to make is waterfall is good enough. Stick to it if that's what works for your business. But agile is a way you need to define your value way up front and deliver to that, that value when you deliver. So I have a question just based on what you said. Um, if you are in an organization and let's say they're going with one or the other, have either of you been in a situation where they're running multiple, well, agile and waterfall, you've got a bunch of teams doing waterfall, a bunch of teams doing agile, and everyone's expected to kind of deliver simultaneously at the same time, delivering value to customer, everyone's running around crazy deadlines. Um, how have you, first of all, my question is to the three of you, have you been in an organization where they're running both at the same time or Jesse, maybe they run three in your scenario, like with shape up as well. Um, and how have you kind of overcome that? Yeah, I, I, to date, um, but also in the past, yeah, multiples. Um, I've actually, Jesse, I've actually heard of shape up. It's something that's currently being talked about at the moment. Um, I think when it comes to having multiple methodologies running on multiple uh, projects, deliverables, features, whatever you want to call them, I think it depends on dependency management as well as overall structure. Because if you've got a structure that is going to be constant, constantly relying on other teams to deliver things for other teams, that's when stuff gets hard. And getting a structure right is also very hard. So I think when it comes to doing different methodologies across different changes, this is why the planning and, and Jazz, you called it out before, doing constant planning. And you're, you should be constantly uh, looking at the changes that are ongoing if you are running a more agile or, dare I say, shape up um, versus a waterfall. Because if you've got an agile methodology running on a particular project that's actually a dependency to a waterfall project, that waterfall project will get hits with something more or less. So I think in my experiences, when you've got something running like that, communication is key. You need to have, you know, your sessions that are that are constantly getting checked in. And we, we all talked about at the start, we're all, all, all of our days are full with meetings, right? So 
that's just the day and age that we live in, right? So I think having open comms with whoever you need to, and that doesn't have to be like PM to PM, that can be engineer to engineer, right? And that that is the beauty of having, and Jesse, trigger point, agile mindset, because that's where we have trust with our engineers that they will do the right thing. So I, I truly think that they can coexist, but you need to have very good maturity for leadership for that to happen. Um, haven't seen it been done great, but I've had, I've seen great attempts, right? Um, and openness to acknowledge that it's not going well. I think when you're in denial, that's when things go really bad, right? Um, that, that's just my, uh, yeah, I guess experience and opinion on, on that. Great, great, great question though. Liam, I think you really do mirror my sentiment as well. Um, I'm very lucky to answer your question, Christinique. I'm very lucky at the moment that I work in an organization where it really does seem to flow from the top down. I work under some excellent leaders who actually forge the vision to move to shape up, which kind of fits awesome. well within agile. Yeah. It's not easy though. It really isn't, um, to get change. I think it's comes down to change management, but <laughs> there's, um, so Liam's point on communication, I, yeah definitely back that point you've it's um speaking from a software engineer's perspective you've got to have the modern day software engineer you've got to have someone who's good with code good with people um able to communicate able to present ideas from complex to nicely synthesized simple points that people of non-tech backgrounds can understand um and then you broaden that to okay this is what we're working on this is how we're working on it um we'll help you where we can um and then you get that sort of alignment where teams know of what other teams are doing. Um, one of the, one of the strategies my company follows is we have, um, big, uh, org wide meetings where like a showcase where everyone kind of presents what they've done in the last pitch. But then we also have like, um, kickoff sessions where everyone then knows what other teams are working on. Um, I'm lucky that I work with some great people and they're always communicating. Um, we did actually, we're trying to start a trend of no DMS. Um, so. It, we use Slack. That's great. Um, that is great. It's, it, it's a really, it's a really simple way of making sure that things are public. Um, so my, I'm militant with it. I'm all, if someone sends me a DM and I'm like, this is work related, put it in the channel and everyone started, <laughs> they are, they, they yeah, create I hear the, you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, communication is definitely key. Um, I'll, if you want, I can now talk about some of the personal experience I've had um, in my current old, um, as I said, it hasn't, it has not been easy. Shape up is similar to agile, the agile methodology, but they kind of expand and broaden their concepts, um, with a bit more process, um, involved. There's a three-step process. Um, and there's a lot left unsaid, which I think when you're first reading it, like, hang on, this is a process. Why aren't all things covered? We've tended to interpret what we want. Um, we've also reached out to a couple of other companies and said, Hey, what are your experiences adopting shape up? And they've just basically said the same thing that we were doing. We took what we wanted from it. We took what worked within our company. We took the principles we really gravitated towards, and then we defined our own set of principles, um, to sit, um, beside that. Um, we have gone through a couple of process changes, which have been really hard. I, I mean, I, I. I love a good whinge session. So if something's not working for me, I'll stand up and be like, Hey, this isn't right. This isn't working. Um, 
And it's taken some really good leadership to help align me because I need to be change managed. I, I don't see the world from that bird's eye view all the time. Um, and I think having those leaders there being like, no, this is the vision. This is why we're doing it. Um, they're slowly bringing the whole organization into alignment. Um, and yeah, I've been converted. I drink, drink the Kool-Aid now. I, I try and get everyone um, at least in a positive mind frame. Um, but I suppose the danger with that is you don't want to take everything like, oh, it's just part of the change process. Sometimes you really do need to have to stand up and say, hey, this this really isn't working for our team or it's it's a bottleneck here. Um, and it's picking, I suppose it's picking the hill to die on. <laughs> Where are you going to put your feet in the sand and, you know, um, say, nah, this this isn't right. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's hard. And I think I'll loop back to the previous comment. There's constant gardening. It's assessing like where where things are working, where they're not, um, and that yeah, organizations organizations need to be comfortable with that constant change, constant refinement. That's and, fantastic, Jesse. Sounds yeah. like you've got a really good org that you're part of. Again, um, that's that's really good. That given leadership, everyone has a hundred percent buy-in, which not everyone is sold on the idea of change and chain management. So. Fantastic. No, that's uh, a good news story. And again, good news story does not mean they're not challenges. I think they're more challenges than not. Uh, but if everyone's going towards the same goal, uh, that makes it life easier, even amongst those challenges. Just to sell my organization a little bit more, um, there's been multiple times where <clears throat> the goal that they've set for me at the start, we call them pitch cycles, where the goal that's been set for me at the start of a pitch, I've spent two or three weeks working on. Um, and then said, hey, we're running at the wrong thing. Um, and the first time I said, hey, this is the wrong thing to run at, it, I, was, I was new to the organization, so I didn't know how much sway or how much um, influence I had. Um, it was surprising that they, they, they listened. Um, Liam, you made a, you made a point um, earlier about like wasted work. I, I try and see any work we do as valuable. Um, even if it doesn't come to fruition as like a feature to a customer or a product that we can release, we still learn from it. And I think learning it that something is not worth running at is more valuable than not learning that lesson, building something to completion, spending, you know, millions of dollars on development, putting that out and then realizing, oop, this provides no value to the customer. Um, and I work in an in, like a, a team where most of my customers are internal. Um, I work in a foundation, we call it the foundations team. So obviously we're building the core tech platform that other teams utilize. So we, we're predominantly dealing with internal customers, but we then take it a step further and go, okay, where's the value add to our actual customers? Um, sometimes we can't always answer that question. Um, and trying to, trying to get justification and buy-in from say our executive level to to, to say, hey, this is something you really need to look at. This is valuable. Is not always an easy task. Um, and we found that things that we've pitched to leadership, say six months ago, and they've said no, they've then come back and said, hey, we understand now. We see, we see what you were seeing back then. Um, yeah. I think just just leveraging what you just said, I think failing fast is the key point, right? I think in so many instances, the latter, what you said, is probably more so true, where you've, you know, a, a team of people, X million dollars deployed something and it doesn't get used. 
that's the value add that you don't give. So if you can fail fast and go, hang on, we should not go down this avenue, that's great. So being in an organization where you can voice that opinion is prime. That's what everyone should strive for. And that's what every organization should also strive for, I think. But there's a but, <laughs> sorry. Um, because a lot, again, regulated uh, organizations find that really challenging, right? And I think that is the challenge of being fully agile. So removing Scrum, being agile. So having the ability to fail fast, you know, promoting it almost, you know, make, making it inviting for our engineers to explore that realm of the unknown. Um, and especially like any and any organization that's gone, okay, we're going to uplift this whole thing. We're going to get a whole new like SaaS product to come in and, and do the, all this crazy stuff. You know, you've got so much to play with with, with, with that. I think when you have organizations that go, well, here's everything we've had for the last 20 years, what can we do with it? I think that's a really big challenge and that's got nothing really to the agile waterfall, but I think it contributes to it. Because I think if you go into that concept and that entry level of, oh, we're gonna look at something that we built 20 years ago, and we're gonna try and do something with it, that's really hard to fail fast at. Because if you touch something, you'll probably break five different things. So failing fast may also be to the detriment of whatever environment you're actually working on at the time. So yeah, so many different scenarios when it comes to failing fast. And you know, with new startup organizations, obviously it's way easier. Well, I would say it's easier. Um, but yeah, that's uh, again, really good point. So Jesse. I think um, what Jesse mentioned that we've spent some time on it. It's not getting anywhere. Let's stop doing it. That's the definition of an innovative company. What's innovation? If you're not going to try and do something which is not done before and not fail enough, that's innovative. And when people say, oh, we do innovative stuff, that's not we need to use new tech. It's just doing same thing differently. And you may fail at times. And if leaders are ready to defend you and say, Jesse, you're 100% right. I'll listen to you. And they take actions. That's an innovative organization. It's okay to put innovation as a value unless you practice it. And what Jesse just discussed, that's actually practicing and innovative um, thinking. I think um, yeah. where I've found the most frustration at places I've worked is when you get hired as an individual, like I wouldn't class myself as a genius, but I mean, I've been able to achieve some things in my life. So I have life experience. I have a level of intelligence. How high that is, I don't know. But the thing, I usually pick jobs that I feel I'm good at. And when you go into a job and you understand a few things and you have opinions and those opinions are usually informed as like, obviously as a, I don't know what type of personality I am, but I'm a software engineer. So I'm some type, I like, I like order. I like, I like things to be a set way and I understand the parameters and variables. But <clears throat> when, when I'm presented with a problem and I'm able to give insight onto that and that insight is either ignored or not listened to or not actioned. I think that's that's where I feel um, my value as an employee just completely irrelevant. Um, and I think usually that comes where, as you said, Jasminda, like something's been decided six months ago and they don't want to hear that that might not be the right path. Um, I don't know. I, I, what are your experiences? Obviously, you guys have felt frustration um, in your careers. What's been the contributing factor that's for you? Agile. That's not an agile question, to be honest with you. I think that's just the organization and the 
the buy-in or the trust that the organization has in you. I've been in organization. I'll go back to Palestine. Um, I went on paternity leave, came back, and I was supposed to sign a change request, um, basically change to the CDP contract variation proposal. Um, a lot of the process was not followed, and I think it was um, under budget, under time, a big commitment we're making to the business and I be, uh, to the customer. And I looked back and said, give me a week because I think this is unachievable. I went back and doubled the budget, doubled the price, doubled everything because I know the customer, I knew everything. And they were like, we, you are the one who's delivering it. You're the one who's delivered in the past. You have a track record, we signed it off, all done. And customer was very happy. They said, thanks for not committing something you, you weren't comfortable with and, and delivered it. And same at Tabcorp right now, I came in working on a priority one project. Uh, um, and again, it's a regulated one. So I think Liam and I will be very keen to discuss the regulated environment as well. Um, there was a plan and dates were already decided. Um, and I think I'd also go back to a question that Christine asked about, uh, do we work in both agile and waterfall at the same time? Uh, and Tabcorp at this point, yes, I am. Um, it's waterfall because we did the requirement gathering, we did development. We're testing right now and deployment is uh, later in the year because it has to go through the regulators before we can actually deploy. So it's about four months of period where um, they're going to get through. My team, however, does try and work in an agile way. Okay. We do follow Scrum. But what I've done is I basically came and understood, okay, what are the deadlines and then try and plan my sprints according to those plans. So um, it's not pure agile, but this is what works for us at this point in time. However, I do have a remit where once the project is over, we're going to basically go to an uplift and um, work in a pure agile way. That's the goal that we have. How successful we'll be, I'll speak to you next year. So yeah, and a lot of communication is needed in that case, like you have downstream team. So I'm the critical part in this project and I have a couple of upstream teams and a downstream team in, in Salesforce. Uh, I had to actually manage all the stakeholder management and my project manager. And, and again, um, Jesse, the main point you mentioned, it's a business decision. Put on Slack. I literally had to pin a message on a project channel. Not my remit, but I was frustrated because everything was going back to project manager. I just basically pinned a, like, these are seven teams. These are the, these are the platform owners. These are the QAs. If you have a question, ask this, ask that. And that's a message still pinned on, on that Slack channel and say, put all your problems here. And when you solve the problem, put an emoji, thumbs up, or a tick. This is done, so we know this chapter's not closed. So, yeah, um, really good points, guys. I don't know how to top that, Jazz. There's so much to unpack there. We could be on the school for hours. Um, but you I just mentioned Abby, something, Jesse. I told Abby that we can, we can talk for years on this subject. Um, Jesse, so I'll probably not be able to answer all your questions because I, I want to give Liam some time as well. But you, you said something, Jazz, which I think hit a chord with me in a good sense because sometimes when I'm interviewing my engineers, BAs and QAs, um, everyone always asks, you know, what are, are we agile, are we waterfall? And I always tell them, we are trying our best to be agile, but we're not purists. And that's the real answer I really give them. And Jessin, especially in my current capacity, you've got to make calls to enable things to move on, you know, because some teams work differently than you. Resources um, operate in a different country. There's, there's so many factors that you constantly got to think about. You've got the regulation to deal with, you know, if you're in a banking industry or compliance. So 
I think the biggest thing is agile versus waterfall. You can even take another layer and actually say, how pure agile are you running and how pure waterfall? Because I know lots of organizations I've worked in, purity sometimes not always the answer. Sometimes if you're so pure where you aren't able to move left or move right, sometimes that could be a disaster as well. So it's just fascinating because I think we all have the same struggles. We all face the same issues on a daily basis and... Jesse, your company sounds pretty cool because that sounds like top to bottom. They, they've got their stuff together, which is always exciting. But I think from a pure perspective, you just you can't be pure, I think, in today's world because you want to fail fast, you want to learn quickly, you want to deliver value to the customer. So I don't know, being being a purist is maybe not the right way these days. I don't know. I don't know. It sounds like no, we yeah. need another standard. <laughs> we need another <laughs> methodology. One one methodology <laughs> to rule them all. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. that's a fair point, Jesse. But I think if again, I've started many teams, I've taken over many teams, uh, taken journey from waterfall to agile. I've learned one thing. Like I'm talking purely Scrum agile in this case, Jesse, to be uh, very precise of my of my language is um, what happens is when you do retrospectives, which is how you're supposed to run your Scrum, design your how you work. So you can never be purest agile. One. Companies, pure agile could be unpure for the other organization because you're retrospective. At one point, my scrum board started looking like a Kanban board with everyone's name in front of it and every tickets that they were working on instead of the goal that we were working on. So I think, and that worked for that team, it delivered it. And this is where I think, uh, Christine, what you were saying was, I think purity is not the word. I think certainty is what the organization is looking for everyone saying, how certain are you? We don't care how you do it. Just yeah, exactly. It's by this time under this cost and and that's what I, I think I think the certainty is the answer and unfortunately agile is not a certain principle you don't work on certainty in that no do you think companies should be clinging to certainty depends on the goal of the organization um we honestly like for a, a defense organization uh people working mission critical systems for example they absolutely need certainty I'll give you an example in Brisbane, uh, they were laying a battle of runway on the airport. Uh, it was a $1.3 billion project. Again, that's that's declined. Um, they needed my system up and running in July so they can do all the test runs. They can make sure that the aircraft can land on battle runway and the system performs as it should. So they, I can't remember exact timeline, but I was supposed to deliver in July 2020, 2021. I can't remember exactly uh, because the the runway was supposed to be operative, I think, um, third quarter of the year, fourth quarter of the year. So yes, in, it depends. That's that's. I'm sorry, Jesse, I don't have a perfect answer, but I think it depends the kind of organization that it is. Yeah. No, I, I think you fell into my trap. Um, horses did. for courses. Horses for courses. Like exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I think your point earlier that waterfall fits some organizations perfectly, and it is a perfectly acceptable methodology, is a great point. Um, I, oh, great. I, that I, was I, the message I wanted to actually spread. That's the reason why I actually asked everyone to talk to <laughs> the first time is, and the reason I say that because I've worked in some organizations in the past, which weren't perfectly waterfall. I'm going to use the word buzzword. They fell into the trap of this buzzword agile, and they're trying to change things when they should not. And that, that really keeps me up at night, metaphorically just, speaking. I just want to leverage or just pivot this conversation just into a different direction because I think one thing that we may not have covered yet is the feedback loop. 
So when you are running in this constant uh, discovery um, planning, there's always this feedback loop, and that could be internally with the team, or that could be with. And in my in my I guess scenario is more business unit, I'll call it. But that's your customer. So if you're deploy, if you're building a software, you've got an endpoint. So from a banking perspective, you've got a platform that people, either staff or customers, interact with. So customers are a bit harder to get a, a like a feedback loop from because you've got millions of people. But when you're looking at sort of a business unit, getting that feedback is definitely like pivotal. Like it, you, you need it. You need clarity on a constant basis to make sure you are going in the right direction. But I think one thing that I'm finding and have found problems with is, again, being in a regulated environment, you've got a date you got to meet. How do you manage feedback and a date? Like if you've got this idea and you've got, because again, you don't do so much upfront work, right? From, from a Scrum Agile perspective. So if you're constantly uh, showcasing, demonstrating, and you're getting these little, oh, just, just change that. Oh, just change that. Oh, just change that. That will build up. So I think one thing that I think I've found troublesome and over time is keeping stakeholders happy versus keeping a date slash maybe a regulator happy. So has anyone felt like they've not, they've let one area down or have, have you been able to keep both areas happy? Liam, can I make a small answer that you can't keep everyone happy? If you follow the principle, you yes. sleep tight at night. So, it's hard not to keep yes. a regulator happy, I must admit. Oh, no, no, so. no. Keep them happy for sure. Because I know that for a fact, if you don't... There's no other happy, option. You, you like uh, I think one, one thing, one of my um, my platform uh, user, my, my direct stakeholder once said, just you know, whatever you do, do not let the regulators in the door and you keep them happy. So uh, I'm trying to shorten my answer to your question. Uh, I think... The key to that point is, the good thing is you know exactly where your problem is. And your problem is uh, my showcase, and that's absolutely fair point. You do a showcase, ah, this color pink instead of blue would be awesome. Ah, this field doesn't have this info. Your API is not responding in certain time period and whatnot. This is where I think an upfront planning, and I don't mean by spring planning, I mean upfront your body planning. I know it's not an agile thinking, it's not a um, scrum thinking, but you probably have to do a bit of waterfall magic here. When I say waterfall, I say, put a sand in the line. Okay, this is what I'm doing demo. I need to give my team a sprint to catch up with all the feedback. So when you commit dates to the regulators or your stakeholders, you basically take that. So this is where your upfront planning has to be very critical. And as a as a delivery lead, that fall under your remit. So I would say learn oh, yeah. from it. 100%. Learn from it. Put it on your confluence page or a tattoo. Plan, plan, plan. So that's that's the only short answer I can give you, but unfortunately, you can't keep them unhappy. Just to extend on that happy. before we go to your eye guys, because I know you got your hands up. I think the other scenario is, yeah, little, little tweaks, but I think there is, there's definitely been a case where I've had, this is not what we wanted. Scrap the whole thing. Yep. And so when you get that sort of um, reaction to a demonstration, that, you know, your team morale, that's, that, that's a lot of different things that come into place for that. So... So, yeah, I, I think it's not so much about the, the little tweaks and, and, you know, keeping obviously the regulator's date in mind. It's making sure that you actually are delivering to what we were talking about earlier, value. So having a, I'll call it just a goal for now, but just having a goal in mind to what you're trying to strive for and keep pointing to the goal. That's the thing I've found the easiest way to get through it. So feedback comes up. 
and they say, oh, we just want to do this. Like, does that meet that? And call it MVP, call it goal, whatever you want to call it. But if you keep pointing to this thing, they keep coming back to you. Oh, I can wait. It can wait. That that little thing, it, it can wait. And possibly you get into the chain of phases and stuff like that. But I think, again, coming back to our original point right at the beginning of this is having an agile mindset, making sure that the top, when, when, when I say top down, I also include like your business stakeholders, making sure that they understand what they're there for. The demonstration is not a wish list session. It's more to say, are we pivoting to the goal? Are we working towards that goal? If not, what are we doing? <laughs> and yeah. I think constantly re revitalizing that is key. That's the one thing I've probably kept true throughout the last 10 years of working in Agile. If you're not doing that, you will build something that will be utterly useless. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And again, this is where Agile saved you, right? You've done a demonstration before it went live, before it went to the regulators, before you wasted all that effort in saying, you know what, it's not fit for purpose, scrap it. And it gave you an opportunity to call the app. So fantastic. At least I think it's still a win. Yeah. 100%. And for me, the biggest thing is just communication. Because if you are running an agile mindset, you will, you will not get it perfect. And the, the fact of the matter is you have to negotiate with stakeholders. You've got to negotiate. I know regulators obviously is a big one. But to a certain degree, there is some negotiation there because you just can't get everything at this perfect date. Everything's number one priority. And sometimes you've also got to take the people into your team into consideration. Because when you're having these demos and they say scrap it, there's hours of blood, sweat and tears that have gone into projects. And you can't just scrap people's feelings. And that as a people person and a people leader, you've got to factor that in. And at the end of the day, people build software. And when you have that in your front, that's what something I'm very passionate about. If you've got that front in mind, I think that's where all the magic happens. I report back constantly to my stakeholders, warts and all. If it's rosy, I send it to them. If it's warts and all, I send it to them. If I'm running late, someone's off sick or someone's taking extended leave unexpectedly, I rather over communicate and say, this is where we're at. And then I kind of just manage it that way. Because at the end of the day, Life happens, people people are here to build things, but there are things out of our control. And I know regulators probably won't understand that, but that's also negotiation. So I feel our roles are very important, but that's a really tough job. I don't think by any means it's easy. That's why I'm pretty sure I'm aging by the day, but that's okay. <laughs> that's why, Christine, I was surprised when you say you love people management. And I was like, I don't think so. Ever. Anyone who does it has done it for a while, say that ever. Yeah, no, it's it's one of the hardest things I think you've got to do and with Agile and Watercore. Sorry, Jesse, I know you've had your hand up as well. It is something that you've got to consider, right? Because with all these things, you've got to remember there's people at the heartbeat of everything. And I am very passionate about, about people and it is a very difficult job to do. Um, yeah, it's, it's just fascinating because you learn everything new from every single person every day. So, yeah. Chris Sinek, you sound like you really understand the role of an engineering manager. You're incredibly pragmatic. Um, I, I'd love to work under you. <clears throat> um, Thanks, Jesse. To... I am recruiting, but I don't know if I could say that on this call. So we should <laughs> Oh, I'm recruiting as well. <laughs> okay. um, Liam, prepare resumes. There's jobs on offer. Yeah. <laughs> Abby, invite to you as well. <laughs> yeah. I think you honed in on some really great points, Christine. Communication and people management are obviously very important. And I think um, the the corporate entity forgets that. Um, they forget that there's people actually doing the work. And 
I mean, I, I've I've been burnt so many times by working on things that have never come like I've got them to fruition and I felt really proud about them and then they just get shelved. It's it's not a nice feeling, especially when you're in a wagile environment and you've spent nine, twelve months working on this thing only to get to the end and then have someone say, "Oh, we're not going with that." Um, so I'll I'll try and answer your question, Liam. Um, let me try and pull pull it back. I think it was around. Um, how do you make sure that you're working on the right thing? And if you're not, how do you um, make the company aware? Is that pretty much it? Um, predominantly, it's, it was more around like that feedback concept, right? So like what you just said, right? You've, you've built something to for, like almost to go to production, right? And they've gone, yep. no. So it's getting to the point of how do you have the constant loop of feedback and managing that? Yeah. Um. It's taken me a long time to try and get my process down pat. And I think I kind of see the methodology I personally operate under. And this is a personal view and opinion of mine, not my organization's opinion, but I follow engineering led development. What that means is for me to um, build something, I need to be intrinsically involved with it, with it from the start. Um, my, my mantra is I need to know the merits. Um, so my company uses OKRs, which is objectives and key results as kind of like your guiding principle at the start of what you're trying to accomplish. So you get an objective and they come up with some key results, which obviously your metrics to measure your success. Those objectives are usually pretty loose. Sometimes they're really specific and then I go, whoa, this is too specific. And then we, you know, massage it and make it a bit more palatable for everyone. But I think um, the way I've found to manage that best is as soon as I hear something coming down the pipeline, I look for the reasons why I'm doing it um, because I'm now in a position as a lead engineer who, you know, puts his foot in engineering management whenever he can. Um, I see the response. My responsibility is to make sure that the people who work under me and with me are working on the right things so they don't have to have the, the, the scars from, you know, getting something to prod behind a feature flag and that feature flag never gets turned on. <laughs> um, and I think you, you may not always know that at the start, like you, you could be like, yeah, this sounds like it's got legs. Let's, let's have a look into it. And then we start going at it. And then um, I'll use the term you used earlier, Liam, of wasted work. We might have some wasted work. Well, I really had to get my, my perspective right on that in that it's not wasted work. I've just spent a little bit to gain a lot of knowledge. So instead of me not getting a feature, I've only spent $200,000 rather than a million dollars. Um, and I think that loops back into a point that I wanted to make earlier is the reason why it's very hard to see the win on something like only spending $200,000 versus overspending a million dollars on a feature that never goes to prod is that it's very hard to measure the opportunity cost in an accounting perspective. Um, and businesses all operate on balance sheets and P&Ls. I, I mean, I was an accountant, so I, I understand what they're looking for. And it's very hard for them to understand when it's not an easy, quant easily quantifiable figure. Um, and that's where what Christianique talked about, that human element, it's that communication. It's, um, it's educating the people on um, really complex tech topics like, okay, you say you want a new reporting app. Um, well, 
that sounds simple and yes in theory it is simple but unfortunately there's a big cost that comes along with that first you've got to consider your CI/CD pipeline that's probably a month process of getting a really experienced engineer to go and build out your terraform make sure it's all tested have you staging you at and your prod environments ready to go and that's before you even get something um built like ideally you start that to begin with um and that's why it's really important to make sure that before you step in that realm, that your idea really has some weight. Um, and you can discover stuff in that CI/CD pipeline process. Um, and you can also have the development done in parallel. But like getting people to understand the gravity of the decisions they make, trying to put a cost figure on that is really hard. Um, like who loves doing estimates? I'm not raising my hand. I hate doing estimates and I refuse to do them. Like when someone says, how long will that take? I'll say, oh, about six, six meters. Um, Is that one I, of the principles of shape up? Don't do estimates. I'm sold then Jesse, if you're saying that. Okay, <laughs> let, let, let me sell shape up to you. The big benefit I see with shape up is that an organization is able to say, I'm willing to dedicate this many people for this long on this project so it's really about cost constraints you don't push past that that goal as soon as you reach the end of your pitch you reassess you say okay am i willing as a business to pitch again do i back this to go any further if not okay cool i've constrained my costs i'm not going to spend any more money on it um and we'll just leave it there the 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 guiding principle for engineers is to get to prod quickly so you're constantly thinking okay i'm going to divide my big piece of functionality pie up into things that I can get from ideation, conception, all the way to prod as quickly as possible. That gives me insight. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you're putting in front of customers. Like it doesn't have to be like a, a UI deliverable. It just means something um, to prove your idea is correct. And whilst you're on that journey, you're constantly reassessing the merit of your end goal. Um, yeah, it's utopia, question back but it's, up, it's really hard. Yeah, yeah, go for it. <laughs> Sounds utopian, actually. Um, so, um, like I said, there's certain costs. Like, we um, commit X engineers for X amount of time. Um, and the goal is to get to the product as soon as possible. What does the success look like? Like, how do you measure? Because there, there is, again, not talking feature, uh, I'm talking yep. um, BAU work. Yep. How do you measure that? That you achieve what you wanted to achieve? Is that like the, how do you do that? So you mentioned um, feature work and BAU work, right? This is yes. one of those big holes in shape up. And this is to maybe revisit Kristenik's question of how do you have multiple methodologies working in situ? Um, feature driven development is shape up. The BAU stuff, um, the bug fixes, all that kind of stuff. We have a separate team. That's more Kanban, agile, scrummy kind of thing. Yeah, I thought so. Um, Kanban, yep. Yeah. Um, and then you've got like long running features that you can't, you can't constrain to just the um, single pitch cycle, which is usually eight weeks. The long running ones, usually it's a regulatory requirement or it's a deep seated business issue that needs to be solved. And unfortunately, it just needs to be fixed. That's when you just start, you know, creating, creating a, um, a, an OKR and you shoot towards that OKR. You still, we still operate within the cycle of the pitch. So developers get a week of cooldown after the pitch. They can focus on something that's near and dear to their heart. Um, it still has to be relevant to the business and provide benefit. It could be like upskilling on something or, you know, whatever they feel it need to. They have to justify it. 
Um, and then they go on to another pitch cycle, but the business operates on that cycle, which means um, that expectations can be set and they can also be changed. Um, okay, so even in the and, utopian world that you work, Jesse, you do have multiple, like you have shape up and you have Kanban by the sound of it. And I'm assuming at some level you do run scrums as well on certain teams, not necessarily where you're working. Yes, yes. Be- so I've, I've seen it, yeah. Um, yeah, fantastic. I, I think and you, work, you guys are working well by the sound of it. Like, I think you're delivering value no matter what methodology you're using. What we're trying mean? to. I'll be completely honest. I'm in a situation right now where I've, so my engineering manager walked, went on holidays. I walked in, learned a few things as the acting engineering manager and basically blew up the world. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, great way to ingratiate myself with people. But um, I did it in a way that I was, I, I, I said, hey, look, I think we really need to step back right now. I think the time frame that you're expecting this to be done by is not realistic. We, ne- we really need to reassess because there's technological implications right now that you're, you're shooting towards that are going to set you up for problems in the future. Not an easy thing to eloquently communicate to someone who's bought in. Like they've they've got runway that they've gone down and they've they're expecting only a little bit left. Um, but I think the the great thing about my organization is that there's there's a no blame culture. I think that's really important. Yeah. That, oh, sorry, I forgot to mention that. No one points fingers at my organization. I've worked in organizations where something goes wrong. You get a P1 and like it's all hands on deck, but the person who um, who is seen to own that is like put up on a cross and left there to like just you know dangle alone um i work with people who are like let's just solve the problem let's learn from it it's um i read a book called black to cut you off just in this one so i just want to come back to this multiple um methodology that's been used and again i think by the sound of it you were really working in an organization which you have a buy and you sound like someone who's got a good hand on the shoulder also proves is the methodology is not governs the business business governs what methodology we should do horses for courses coming back to your point right so um, i'm quite fascinated that i can learn something brand new shape up i'll probably look up and that's something will be my now youtube uh, playlist while i'm at the gym just listening to what they're saying uh, thanks for that jesse really really fantastic points my pleasure um i just want to reiterate that it's not an easy path and the organization i work in yes it's great but are there some days where i want to flip a table definitely do i flip the table yeah maybe in private like my house is pretty messy um but i think i i work with people who will allow me to have that whinge um and it's really funny one of my my engineering manager goes do you want me to listen or do you want me to solve your problem and i'm like just listen just let me whinge um (laughs) and i think that i think that it brings the humanity back to it i think we're all people we're we all we all have like feelings, opinions, and um, being listened to is really important. So um, I think that helps at, at the grassroots, you need to value your people. It doesn't matter what methodology you choose. If you don't value people and you don't trust your people, you're bound to fail. I'll stop ranting now. What's a rant? What is that? Um, gospel speaking. So thank you for that. Really appreciate it. I think we need many people like you, Jesse. I think I work with a few of them. Um, uh, voice of reason, I think that's the term on the ground. I'd say oh, thank you for that. Um, I think we're coming close to the end of the podcast. Probably, um, I just want to get a quick um, feel for what did we get out of our discussions today? Like, I got something really good points. I just want to throw on the road to Jesse, yeah, Liam, and Christianique. What did we learn today? 
I could probably just vibe with what you've been saying, Jess, like the whole shape up thing. As I said, there's only a couple of teams in my org that are starting to look at it and starting to try and implement it. Um, so knowing more about that, yeah, I've, I've definitely got some more out of that. Um, from an engineering manager perspective, you know, it's easy to like, not saying it's easy for me, but I think it's easy for an organization to remove the people side of things. So um, yeah, Christy, from your perspective, it was really refreshing, obviously, just to ensure that we need those types of people still in technology. We're not, we're not all robots at the end of the day. Um, not, we yet. All need... not yet. Not, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's taking over. But AI is yet. coming. <laughs> but it's just Please get me on that, that we... podcast. Please get me on that <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I think we're going to have to do part two of this. Or maybe yeah. split this into two. <laughs> yeah. No, no, the next one will be Agile versus Waterfall versus Shape Up versus AI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. And Jesse, what kind of takeaways have you brought from today? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I think I, I feel really privileged to be put in the same room as um, Liam, Kristenik, and Jasminda. Um, as as you said, um, Jasminda, you, you you sound very pragmatic as well. I, I imagine um, working in the defense space is not an easy task, um, especially when um, you've got mandates, regulatory mandates. Um, yeah, it was good I, I, honesty because like I've, I've worked there thirteen years. Very, I have very, very yeah. fond memories of, of working there, to be honest with you. Yeah. There were challenges, and again, you know, when, nowhere there is not challenges, and you overcome the challenge, and that's where you have to find the fun. I think what I've taken away is that a random selection of people can be brought together, and it seems like everyone is still positive. I think for me, it's yeah. very it's very easy for people to focus on the negative. This could have this could have turned into a discussion of all the pain points and how bad things are, and it could have <laughs> just been a collective whinge, but... I, I got positivity out of this that like organizations will one day learn to trust <laughs> trust the people um implementing or at least include them in the conversation um yeah thank you for having me involved yeah no absolutely i feel like all the points that everyone's made as you say um i've seen a completely different perspective from multiple industries from multiple leaders Um, obviously it's fantastic for me to hear on this side as well and i just like to say thank you all so much for sharing all your thoughts in, in today's conversation. Um, once again, our guests on the podcast today have been Jasminda, a platform lead from Tabcorp. We have Christinique, the engineering manager from Coles. Also Liam, the delivery lead from ANZ. And Jesse, lead engineer from Loan Market Group. So if you're hiring for new technical roles or you're looking for a new role, feel free to get in touch with us here at Evolution. Or if you know anybody who would like to get featured on a future podcast, you can drop me a message anytime. Thanks again to all of our guests for listening and thanks for you for listening at home. I hope you can join us next time.